This Holy Week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we're journeying on in Hebrews. Covenant blood, the willing victim. The new and living way, a better possession and an abiding one. And the roll call of faith, Abel and Enoch. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand at thewordendures.org and on the Lutheran Public Radio app. Welcome back to Issues Etc., I think almost as soon as the first stay-at-home orders were in play, there was speculation online, social media, that this would lead to some kind of a baby boom. Well, the longer that these orders remain in place, the more seriously we're thinking about that. And I think there's a good reason to think seriously about it, because right now we have an infertility crisis that will mean and have consequences far into the future of our nation and indeed the whole world. Maybe a baby boom whatever causes it, is exactly what we in future generations need. We're going to be talking with Glenn Stanton about a possible coronavirus baby boom. He's director of Family Formation Studies for Focus on the Family, author of several books, including his latest, The Myth of the Dying Church, and a recent column for The Federalist titled, Could Stay-at-Home Orders Give Birth to a Global Baby Boom? Glenn, welcome back to Issues Etc. Hey, thank you, Todd. Good to be with you. Why do we need a COVID-19 baby boom? Well, it's interesting. I mean, we don't need a COVID baby boom. We wish we weren't facing this. But in terms of a baby boom itself, I mean, we have this myth that the world is overpopulated, that we have too many children. And it's actually in the developed world just the opposite. We, I mean, there is no industrial nation that is reproducing itself. That is making sure that the Italians, the Spanish, the French, the British, the Americans, the Canadians have the next generation of our people to replace us, to become the new taxpayers, the business owners, the teachers, the doctors and nurses, the policemen and policewomen, the military, things like that. I mean, if you're going to have the next generation of any nation, you have got to produce them. They all start out as babies. And again, I mean, a lot of the European nations are going to great and creative lengths to try to spur couples into having more babies. And they don't do this because these governments aren't doing this because they just like babies, you know, dressing up the joint. They know that this is an economic issue and a, and a important social issue. You say that in times of national or even global crisis, this has happened before. Tell us a few examples. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is interesting that when people through various crises, first of all, are holed up at home, whether it be through hurricanes, whether it be through flooding, things like that. And even in very tragic times, like the Indian Ocean tsunami that happened a number of years ago and earthquakes that take a lot of lives, what the research shows us 
and good academic research is that each of those things, nine months later, even years later, there is a big boost in fertility. There is, you know, a rash of babies coming along. And particularly, I mean, I I cite in the article some examples from the Washington, D.C. area and the New York area. Washington, they'll have storms that come through. Even they'll have government furloughs, government shutdowns where, you know, thousands, thousands of employees are just stuck at home, not working. They have shown that in local hospitals, the birth rates have increased pretty significantly nine months after that. 9-11, we saw that in New York. We saw that local hospitals nine months after that event we're seeing significantly increased birth. Hurricane Sandy that hit, you know, the Upper East Coast up there, those hospitals nine months after that and, and the weeks following that, they saw significantly higher births from 20 to 30 percent busier than they were at the same time the previous year. Could we add into this, Glenn, what I consider to be one of the silver linings of the stay-at-home orders and the shutdown, and that is the closing, at least temporarily, and one would hope permanently, of many abortion clinics. Well, it's interesting because we at Focus on the Family have looked at that. And, you know, we've thought, could this coronavirus actually save more lives than it takes and save more lives by closing the abortion clinics? It's interesting that Planned Parenthood has shut down their general, quote-unquote, health care, breast cancer screenings, those kinds of things, pap smears, but they are not closing down their abortion work because they see this as really necessary and essential, quote-unquote, woman's health care. I mean, these people do not slow down for anything, and that is, is really remarkable. It's surprising, but in a way not really surprising. And you wish it were the other way around, that they would act like most other health places and be really curtailing what they're doing and seeing patients. So what do even skeptics think about the possibility of a post-COVID baby boom? Well, it's interesting. I mean, the skeptics, those are generally folks who are like, oh, my goodness. I mean, we don't need more babies. We're already overpopulated. Too many babies is the problem. Well, they just don't know the numbers. They don't know the math. And there's nobody that looks at this our population issues in the developed world as the problem being too many babies. Again, look at the governments of those countries. They see the crisis in a big way. Now, there are some that have pointed out to me, and and this is really true and very legitimate, is they're saying, well, we're seeing a spike in divorces and separations during this time. And that is true. And it's very, very unfortunate, you know, that couples that aren't getting along as well and haven't been getting along as well when they're holed up together and, you know, in close proximity, they're more likely to get on each other's nerves and cause fights and disagreements and things like that. That's true. And that is unfortunate. But you know what? Those people themselves wouldn't be likely in a non-COVID situation 
to be engaged in activities that can result in babies. So, yes, it is tragic that that those, you know, marriages are in trouble and breaking apart. But for the couples that do have good relationships, yeah, they're more likely to engage one another during these off times, during these times that we have more free time, and also these times that we need, you know, physical comfort. We should point out, Glenn, that whatever boom results, if one does, will still be relative to the abysmally low fertility rates that even Americans are showing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, even if it were the best possible kind of baby boom, I mean, it still would not fix the problem that we're seeing of tremendously low fertility and fertility that is, you know, below or significantly below replacement rate, which, again, is is something that not only every nation needs, but every economy needs. I mean, government owners, they need to make sure that, you know, their customers in the next 10, next 15 years are actually born. <laughs> and it's, it's really quite practical that way. But, yeah, I mean, it is a big, big problem in the world. And it's interesting when we think, well, how are we going to feed all these babies? Today, we throw away half the food that we produce globally. I mean, it's just absolutely remarkable that we know how to take care of people today. We know how to care for them health-wise, food-wise, housing-wise, like that. And the problem is not too many people, it's too few people. I know that you're not a demographic expert. I know that you're also not a prophet, but how big would you anticipate such a post-COVID boom to be? Well, it's interesting. There are not precise numbers, but our, our very, very good friends over at the Institute for Family Studies, and I would recommend all of your listeners, look them up. They do great, great research on the family. They're right in line with what you know nearly all of your listeners would believe and things like that. But they said there is no data to compare, okay, what happens in situations of massive quarantine and social isolation. But one of the demographers, leading demographers, who wrote a piece for them, he said, the COVID crisis could, over the next four years, increase the population by 0.3% up to 40%. And so, you know, they're saying we just don't know. It could be minuscule or it could be pretty significant. And again, when we think about that more significant measure over a global scale, that is pretty good news and pretty encouraging news. And again, I mean, you just say human experience, human nature is what it is. And when we need comfort, when we have the time, humans do what humans do. And hopefully that results in more new humans in the coming years. Talk a little bit about how the benefits of such a boom are really long-term. They're not short-term or immediate. Well, no, that's right. I mean, you think about, okay, you own a business, you run the military, 
You need staff at your hospitals. You, as a government, as a governor, you need new businesses being created. (laughs) Again, it's interesting that in 15 years, in 20 years, those people that need to be, I mean, underline and highlight and score need to be, those people doing each of those jobs, they are babies today or yet to be born. I mean, that is the way it works. The next generation of leaders, policemen, policewomen, doctors, nurses, business owners, inventors, teachers, I mean, they do not just come along like the 415 train. They have to be intentionally created. It's interesting that Japan has long been facing this problem of declining birth rates, and they are seeing and understanding the serious economic ramifications for that. China is starting to see it as well. That's why they just recently backed off their one-child policy and went to a two-child policy. Again, not because they're romantic about children and, you know, think their country could be jazzed up and, you know, a little nicer place to live if there were more children. What they're seeing is, no, we need the next generation of taxpayers to be born today. And again, all through Europe, that is the case. Could this possibly offset what demographically is also a huge problem? And that is, I was born in 1964, the last year of the last big baby boom. In about 20, 25, 30 years, I'm not going to be in the line, so to speak, anymore. And that generation that has sustained a lot of economic and social benefits will be gone. Yes, that's exactly right. And I mean, that's what the demographers tell us. And this seems strange to me at the beginning, but internationally and nationally for us, populations are getting older, growing older. And you're like, well, how can that happen? I mean, everybody's growing older, but the population itself. And what they're saying is that when the younger generation doesn't come through, isn't being born, most of the generation is exactly like you said, Todd. They're the older folks. They're the aging folks. And that has to change. And again, those people die off. And the only thing that we're left with, the only thing that any nation, any community is left to turn to, that is, I mean, kind of ironically or curiously, the babies that were never born. You know, those babies that were never born cannot be the foundation and the creative natures of the society that Italy needs, you know, to continue to be Italy. That's the other problem is if Italy, if France, if Canada, if the United States can't be creating new French, new Dutch, new Italians, things like that, they are half to going to rely on immigration. And immigration, I mean, in and of itself, not a problem, but basically you're going to be replacing Italians with largely Muslims. And not to take anything away from that, but Italy's going to turn into, just like Great Britain has in a large sense, London has in a large sense, a Muslim country, if you will. And again, not that we should say, well, these people shouldn't be welcome here or there, but 
cultural diversity is very important. The world is a better place because there are the Spanish, there are the French, there are the Dutch, and the unique culture that they offer to the world. So yes, this is a very significant problem under population for many different very practical um, reasons. Glenn Stanton is Director of Family Formation Studies for Focus on the Family. He's author of several books, including The Myth of the Dying Church, and a recent column for The Federalist titled, Could Stay-at-Home Orders Give Birth to a Global Baby Boom? You'll find a link to it at issuesetc.org. Click Talk on Demand Archives. Glenn, thanks. Hey, thanks, Todd. We'll be teaching a Sunday school lesson on this Tuesday, April the 7th, Jesus' Resurrection in Matthew chapter 28. Pastor Tom Baker of Long Gospel will be our guest. Prayers for anxiety, assurance, forgiveness, plagues, sickness. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for April contains more than 500 prayers that cover almost any situation. It's titled Lutheran Prayer Companion. Browse before you buy at issuesetc.org or find out more and purchase Lutheran Prayer Companion by calling Concordia Publishing House weekdays during regular business hours, 1-800-325-3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for April, Lutheran Prayer Companion. This is Dr. Russell Dawn, President of Concordia University Chicago, with a message for parents, grandparents, and godparents of college-bound children. Concordia Chicago is a distinctive, comprehensive university of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We're devoted to our Lutheran confession and committed to strong academics. Please encourage your child, grandchild, or godchild to check out Concordia University Chicago at cuchicago.edu. The world around us is laser-focused on the fear of death and disease. The April issue of The Lutheran Witness has the answer, Jesus and His Resurrection. In this issue of The Lutheran Witness, Dr. Adam Francisco answers objections to the resurrection. The Reverend Sean Denzer discusses resurrection hymnody, and there's so much more. If you're worried about death then take the opportunity to read about life in Jesus and his resurrection. Visit cph.org slash witness to subscribe today. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the world from a Lutheran perspective. cph.org slash witness. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233. 800-843-5233. Talk radio for the thinking Christian. You're listening to Issues Etc. It is the greatest adventure you could ever possibly imagine. It's demanding, it's hard, it's challenging, and what a blessing it is. Dr. Larry Rast, president of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, on why a man should consider the vocation of pastor. And it is an incredible blessing to be honored with the opportunity to work with these incredible young men Uh, and older men uh, as well, who uh, are committing themselves to the proclamation of God's Word, the right distinction of law and gospel, and to uh, take the good news of Jesus Christ into all the world. 
You can find out more about studying for the pastoral ministry at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Forming servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all.